Bokertov, we're continuing Parashat Va'ira. This is the second class on Va'ira. Uh, again, for anybody who's interested in hearing the class we had on Yoshua last night, you could visit the Navi podcast. Type, just type in my name in Spotify. It should come up. Uh, if, if you can't find it, that's, that's also because in Apple Podcasts, I think it's going to take a few days for it to start recognizing our podcast. Um, in Spotify, it should be already there. It's easier to find if you just have the link. So if you really want it, you can just ask me. I'll send you the link. Um, otherwise, you may be able to find it by just typing in my name. Um, so, and everybody's welcome to join that class on Thursday nights at 8.30. Uh, as we're doing a deep dive into Sefer Yoshua and then hopefully more. Um, the other thing is, uh, again, we encourage everyone to... Thank you, everyone, for the donations. If anybody could give... Um, you know, the Again, the way SBM appreciates the most, I mean, the two ways SBM appreciates is, is obviously the, the bigger checks. Nobody ever complains about that. And also, <laughs> there are a lot of people who don't, uh, there, are, there are a lot of people who don't want to give a lot, but can give like $10 monthly or $18 monthly. That's also more helpful because then it allows SBM to then see a stream of income and then plan based on that. So, so that's also, there's a reason why that's also preferred. Um, so that's also encouraged. So please do give if you do benefit from the SPM. Because we all do benefit. I, I give myself a lot. Like, it's one of my main places of, of giving my asir is the SPM. They're not on PayPal, are they? I they are on PayPal. Yeah. SPM's on PayPal. They have Venmo. SPM. I, I found them on Venmo. I yeah, know. SPM donations on Venmo. They have a PayPal. And it's all, it's all tax deductible. Are Everything is. What handle are they on, on PayPal? I don't know, I sent the link. If you click the link, it just opens it up for you. And then, and then if you just give them your credit card, they'll be able to just bill it every month to $18, okay? So, we did yesterday, the, the opening to the Parashat, parashat Vaira, it was very, very confusing. There was one word, so I was doing some reading last night. There's an interesting word that keeps coming up in God's command to Moshe and what he's telling Moshe. So essentially... What God told Moshe to do at the beginning of the parasha is to go to Bnei Israel and tell them that Ani Adonai and I'm going to take you out of Egypt, and then go to Paro and tell them that I'm going to take Bnei Israel out of your land. So he tries with Bnei Israel and says, They did not listen to Moshe from the shortness of breath from, and from all the hard work. So. The traditional understanding of this is that they did not listen to meaning they did not have the they did not have the patience. They were tired. The patience. Tired. They were tired. They didn't want to listen. They weren't. They didn't have. T- they didn't have the patience to hope, and they to gave up. They right. Gave they up. gave up. But I heard a very interesting interpretation that you keep seeing the key word that you keep seeing in this opening is ani adonai, ani adonai, yes. ani adonai, yes. and if you look throughout the chumash. You see Ani Adonai in, in a number of places. One of them actually is when in Sefer, uh, in Parashat Akharimot, it says, do not do like the, the ways of the Egyptian, Ani Adonai. And then it goes and it discusses all of the, the, the disgusting things the Egyptians would do that you should keep away from. So the commentary, this is from a rabbi named Rabbi Menachem Liebtag. He was pointing out, that when Hashem goes to Moshe and tells him, go to Am Yisrael and tell them, Ani Adonai, he may not just be saying, just tell them that I am God, I'm going to save you. He may be saying, believe in God. Start having faith. Get rid of all of the pagan gods. Get rid of your faith in the gods of Egypt. 
and I am the God the same way we have another commandment which is stated as Anochi Adonai and what's that? the first commandment of the ten commandments so what Moshe is doing according to this right exactly so what Moshe is doing in this earlier thing when Bnei Israel are not listening is he's, he's trying to get them to start believing in Adonai Velo Shame'u means and it, it doesn't mean they were impatient it means they did not heed they did not they did not consent they did not like believe the brothers, in God they gave up like they the gave brothers. Up. yeah below, like, like, like the meaning of the word Shema and Shema Israel. believe you know like not just listen and, and you know uh, and uh, have patience for it's like more than that spoke, they, they heard him they, they right 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 when you yeah, yeah exactly you, you they accept you accept it so Shema when, when Moshe is going to Bani Israel it means it means Velo Shame'u means and they did not accept God and then what Menachem Levi, Rabbi Menachem Levitag was pointing out is that that's now this pasuk, this paragraph here where that Moshe goes to Israel and they do not listen. Now we see where Bnei Israel is starting from. They're starting from a place of they do not believe in Ani Adonai. And where are we going to get to? What is the process going to, where is it going to take us? To the point where they accept in Na'asev Nishma, Anuchi Adonai Lohecha. So they're going to have to go from Velo Sham El Moshe, not believing in God, of the Ani Adonai wow. and they're going to have to go all the way to Anuchi Adonai and accept that so we have a lot of work to do on Am Yisrael's side it's a long trip <laughs> right and then also by the way he said this also explains the Kalva Homer what is the Kalva Homer Moshe does so Kalva Homer is whenever you say if this guy didn't listen to me then of course right. this guy isn't going to listen to me so Moshe does that he says if Bnei Yisrael didn't listen to yeah, me then, listen. then of course Paro is not going to listen to me so so he's saying if you, if you translate that Bnei Israel didn't listen to him, meaning they didn't have patience for, then when Paro doesn't listen to him, Paro is just refusing. So it's not the same thing. So it's not a good comparison. But what he's really trying to say is, if Bnei Israel did not give in and, and concede to, to what I'm saying, then of course Paro is not going to give in and, and accept what I'm saying. So, so he said it, that it kind of fixes that. I found it very compelling. I think it's very because we see this Ani Adonai everywhere, and I, I I've yet to Actually understand. You're saying that you you saying Moses Moshe was telling you trust in Hashem. Believe God. Yeah, he's not just telling them God is going to take you out, and then they did not have faith to believe that God would take them out. He's telling them believe in God so that He takes you out, and they refuse to believe in God. And then, and then they had to... Believe, to exactly. So, and that's why a lot of the Perushim, by the way... So it's a very long Devar Torah. I, I uh, almost made it through the whole thing. Okay. Um, but, but, and that's, that's why he, goes, he also points out, this Rabbi Menachem Liebtag, that you have a lot of um, commentaries that say that Bnei Israel were not deserving of being taken out of Egypt. They got taken out as like a favor. And like the Zohar says that they were in the 49th level of Tum'ah. God had, to, God had no choice not to fulfill their promise. Now when did they retroactively become fitting? When did they, whenever they accepted Anuchi Adonai Lecha. But until they left Egypt, they did not. They say some key movie, key blue. Oh yeah, that, so that's a, that's, a, that's a very difficult Gemara. You're referring to this Gemara of... Of, uh, I don't even want to get into it. This is the lesson of our life. We should always trust. Yeah, that's yeah, it. and that, that's the lesson. And the lesson is, it's not always easy to have faith in God. It's not uh, Bnei Israel. 
not only did they not believe Hashem would take them out, according to the rabbi, they didn't even believe in God at this point. Yeah. And it's not easy. And, and the lesson is... But you have to look at their side also. They were suffering. They were yeah, and, 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 and one of the reasons was because no, they were no. suffering. You know, it's, yeah, it's a, no, no, no. Whenever there is an um, interesting thing in... So, or, I don't know what field this is in, but in economics, they say, does wealth create happiness? Does wealth, does wealth give happiness to the, one, to the one who holds the wealth? So, obviously, the classic answer is no. But there's a caveat. It's not so simple. Let's say for a person to live... Decently, not comfortably, but decently, he needs to make fifty thousand dollars a year. But he's making twenty. Then the gap, then from big. from twenty to fifty, from twenty to fifty, because it's it causing him to not even have his basic necessities, wow. it does affect a person's happiness. So when a person is under a lot of duress and cannot even live a basic lifestyle, then it does affect their happiness. And then not having money does make a person unhappy. When does the money not affect a person's happiness anymore? Once they have a baseline level. Once you get to that 50,000, then from 50,000 to 3 billion makes no difference in a person's and happiness. Gonna what's going to change? Like, right. You're going to eat the same food. But, zero. It's just another. But under that, under that 50,000 thing, it, it, it makes a person miserable. It does make a person miserable. I think that's something that... I mean, you could look it up online if what I'm saying is true, but I heard I it from... Uh, it makes sense intuitively also. Just, just a man that he cannot bring the panacea at home on Friday for his wife, most of the unfortunate... There's no shalom bite is because of this. It causes shalom bite issues, you're saying? Of course. Yeah. Okay. We are now... Um, let's skip... So after Moshe and Aaron are tasked with going to Paro, the text gives us their background. Yes. And for the first time, we're introduced to Moshe and Aaron's father and mother and father. Where we are introduced, the, the text actually starts by telling us the background and the, the, the lineage of Reuven, Shimon, Reuven and Shimon. But that's out of respect for the elder brothers. It, it stops at Levi because Levi is where Moshe and Aaron. The point of this is to introduce us formally to Moshe and Aaron. Because until now, we haven't been introduced God to them. Aaron, we had no idea who he is. Aaron just showed up. We have no And Moshe, so far, has been the son of a, Ish, of a Levite man from a Levite woman. But by the way, one more point on that Levite man, Levite woman thing that I forgot to mention is the reason it starts off with that is to tell you that Moshe wasn't royalty. Meaning he did, Moshe's greatness has nothing to do with his father and mother. For our intents and purposes, Moshe... Moshe's father and mother are just a man and a woman. And what makes him great is not, nothing to do with who he was bo- whom he was born to, but how he acted. How he acted. Right, so that's the key. Simplicity. Right, so it keeps it simple. But now that we, now Moshe and Aaron are approaching Paro, it goes, the text gives us the background of their lineage and their families, and it's going to introduce us to some characters that come later on. So for example, it tells us uh, that Aaron married a woman named Elisheva, but Aminadav, Achot Nachshon. Nachshon appears in the Midrash yes, later. The, the... Yeah. Um, it introduces us to Aaron's four sons, who are going to be very key figures. It introduces us to Korach and his sons. Yes. Um, and then introduces us to the, to the, guy, to the man Pinechas. So it's setting the stage for a lot of stories that are going to be happening in the rest of the Humash. Okay? So let's go to Pasuk 26. Who Aharon and Moshe? This is Aaron and Moshe. Asher Amar Adonai Lahem Otsiu et Bnei Israel Meres Misaim Al Sibotam. This is Aaron Moshe that Hashem said to them, "Take Bnei Israel out of Egypt by their legions." 
הם המדברים אל פרעה מלך מצרים להוציא את בני ישראל ממצרים, הוא משה ואהרון. They are the ones who spoke to פרעה, the king of Egypt, to take out Israel from Egypt. That is משה and אהרון. ויהי ביום דיבר אדוני אל משה בארץ מצרים. And it was on the day that God spoke to משה in ארץ מצרים. Meaning, and that's when God spoke to משה. And now we're, we're going to see some details of what he said. פסוק, עליית שלישי, this is פסוק 29. God speaks to Moshe saying, I am Adonai. And he says, I am uh, of locked lips and how will Paro listen to me? I think personally that this is just a repeat of the previous thing because we, there was an interlude of the whole generation. So now the text is just repeating the yeah, last thing went, we said. To, it's, it's repeating the last thing we said so that we going know we're going line. back to the storyline. So now the text is reintroducing us into the story. Moshe, really the last thing we spoke about is Moshe was told by God to go to Paro and he says, he's not going to listen to me. So now what happens? Now in response to Moshe saying Paro is not going to listen to me, now God starts and now we're going to start see, yeah. seeing all the miracles. Parag Zayin, Pasuk Aleph. Vayomer Adonai Moshe, Re'e netatich Elohim lefaro'o, Behold, see that I have made for you a, a master to Paro, and Aharon, your brother, will be your Navi, will be your speaker. So very interesting word usage there. So first of all, uh, we've only seen the Navi's one other, the, the word Navi, one other time in Tanakh so far, in, in the Chumash so far. You know where that was? Whenever it was either to Paro, I think it's Avimelech. Whenever Avimelech takes the wife of Abraham, and then uh, he. Abraham told Avimelech that Abraham is going to pray for you to that because he's an Avi. Exactly. And then Abraham and Hashem says to Avimelech, Hashem eshet ha'ish kinavihu ve'itpalel ba'adcha ve'chiyeh. Return the wife of the man because he is a Navi. And he will pray for you and you will live. And then the Pasuk says, Because God had closed all the wombs, all the orifices in the house of Abimelech. So they were all sick. So that was the only other time we see the word Navi. And that, in that case, it was in reference to Abraham's ability to speak to God. Now, the word Navi... Here, in this case, it sounds like... Ah, so here, so that's what you're, so the Daniel saying is, in that case, Abraham is kind of like a representative of God, that he can speak to God, and he's like an intermediary between God and Abimelech, and then here, Aharon will be the intermediary between Moshe, who will be the master, and Paro. Okay, so Navi seems to be, also by the way, the translation of Navi, a lot of the commentaries say it comes with the word Niv Sifatayim, which means the movement of lips, because Navi's power is in his lips. So that would also make sense with this, because Aaron, all he's doing here is he's, the, he's doing the oration, he's doing the speaking. Okay, he's, he's, the, he's the rhetorician here. So we have Aaron with the rhetoric, and we have Moshe, who is the Elohim, and the word usage of the word Elohim, that must be very frustrating to Paro, because if there's anybody who does not have any Elohim, it is Paro. But Moshe is becoming his Elohim, not in the sense of a god, but in the sense of a master. So if there's anybody who does not want to be described as having a master, it is Paro. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a knock on Paro here, right? Okay, Pasuk 2. You will speak everything that I command you, and Aaron, your brother, will speak to Paro, and 
and Paro will then send Bnei Israel from his land. But no, actually, the right translation is like this: You will speak everything I command you, and Aharon, your brother, will speak to Paro, asking him to send Bnei Israel from his land. I think that's the way the Pashanim translate the pasuk. Pasuk three: Va'ani akshet lev Paro, but I will harden the heart of Paro. And I'll increase my wonders and my signs in Mitzrayim. And why would Borei Olam want to do it like this? Why would Borei Olam want Paro to refuse? Because not only is this a lesson, not only is God's goal to take Am Yisrael out, but God's goal is also to come onto the national scene. Now what we have to realize is as Bnei Yisrael becomes a nation, we also... At the end of the day... It's not only for Amis, the, the reason Am Yisrael is becoming a nation is so that God's name should be recognized on the face of the entire earth. So with the formation of Am Yisrael as a nation and as a people, you also have God making his own introduction to the world as the God who controls everything and can control nature and can control so it's, the it's, lives of men. It's very interesting. It started with Avram Avinu yeah. to recognize Hashem and as, the, as the you know monotheism and, and, and yeah, God. Abraham was purely faith. Purely faith, and then you see, and God made the promise to him, but now it's uh, at the end, I guess it's, he's revealed to the world of what Abraham actually thought. This is our job. Our job so, is to yeah, exactly. It, it, what you're saying is, in fact, let me build on it because I think you stumbled upon a brilliant idea. Um, Aharon, I mean Abraham. His faith was perfect. We see in Akhidat Yitzhak, perfect faith, right? So he had perfect faith. And, and the goal was to take that faith and give it over to an entire people. Now, how can you take this abstract faith of one man and give it over to an entire nation so that they could preserve that faith? So you do that by implementing mitzvot. Because one man could have the passion and the faith have the connection to God for eternity but when you try to apply that to an entire people you can't do it just on blind faith if there's no action and mitzvah for the people to keep then they, there will be no receptacle within which to hold that faith so B'nai Israel become the people through the mitzvot that they receive as a nation they become once again on the level of Abraham meaning if you want to see what is the equivalent on the national scale to Abraham's faith, it is the mitzvot. The mitzvot fill that same role. And that's why maybe you could say that the midrashim say that, uh, that the avot kept all the mitzvot. That's the avot, there's a lot, there are a lot of midrashim that say that the avot kept all the mitzvot. Because what are the mitzvot? Because, because what are the mitzvot doing? The mitzvot are serving as a means to preserving what was good in the characteristics of the avot. Meaning the avot were perfect and in order to preserve that perfection on a national scale, we have mitzvot to hold those mitzvot, to hold that emunah and stuff in a, in a receptacle, right? So the avot were perfect and did it without the mitzvot because they didn't need it. They were one person and they were perfect already. But Am Yisrael, who has the struggles of an entire people where you have many, many different people with different tendencies and inclinations, you can't, they, they need something physical, some basis. And that's why the, the mitzvot are kind of Filling in the void of that emunah that Abraham has. So Abraham, is he any less than us because he's not keeping the mitzvot? No. Because our mitzvot are in order to get us to the level of Abraham. Uh, and that's why the Midrash says that Abraham, that they kept, the, that they so kept the all the mitzvot. Abraham advocate about the faith that he had was yeah. 
telling people? That's what it seems, because he went and he goes around and he makes mizbachot and he brings people into his as tent. As a nation, the way we can advocate the presence mm-hmm. of Hashem is by doing the mitzvot. Ah, so he's making a very interesting point. If you want to see, if you want to further draw this parallel, then Avraham went out and invited. He invited people. He invited people into his tent. Right now, what would be Am Israel's way? Well, their way of advocating Hashem is to live good lives and to show the world that look at the beautiful society we have created. And then, once Am Yisrael creates that beautiful society, the nations of the world will come to the Beit HaMikdash in order to visit and see this brilliant and wise nation and how they want also to emulate what we do. Right. Hopefully. Um, So it's always a work in progress. Yes. Oh, of course. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the, the process the, the process <laughs> never ends. The, well, I was speaking about this last night with Moshe, but the reason the Torah ends kind of on like a question mark, because the Torah ends basically with us standing and filled with questions over, are we going to even get into the land and this and that? And the Torah kind of represents the story of the Jewish people. The story of the Jewish people is that we're always so close to the land, but we're never really there because there's always more work to be done. You know, So it's almost like the, story, the Torah with the way it ends, leaving on a cliffhanger, is meant to leave us as the Jewish people in the position to answer the story for ourselves and complete the mission on our own. I mean, of course, because it gives us meaning. It gives us meaning. It gives us something to, 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 to live for. You know, we, we always have... My biggest concern, believe it or not, it's a concern it's I have. My concern I have is, what am I going to do once Mashiach comes? Like, chas v'shalom, I'm not saying you don't, you don't want Mashiach to come. I'm just saying, if everything is going to be perfect, then, then so there's no work so, to be done? There's no, nobody to help anymore? I, 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 I it's a bit of a scary thought. A like, what's going what's to give us meaning? It's be I, heard, I heard a beautiful interpretation of this. I may not want to get into it now, but the thought of Mashiach, Mashiach is a concept that he always has to be coming. Uh, uh, okay, so, but that's a very so controversial because, concept. Yeah, because like, you have then you're to saying always have to have that hope and to work on yourself and to work on. The, meaning, the Mashiach as a concept is a concept of he's always coming. It's and a concept of hope. No, yeah. but it, I hope it's kind of like you're clinging on. But I see time. like Moshe, it's kind of like calculus, like, like you're approaching infinity, but you're never there. Yes. You know? no, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the text. Okay. three. Va'aniak she'ed lev paro v'irbetiat ototay v'dumafatay b'eretz Yisrael, and I will harden the heart of Paro, and I will increase my wonders and my. Uh, symbols in, in Mitzrayim. Uh, I was going to go into the discussion of how we could have taken away the free will of Paro and what that means. In a nutshell, I think it's a form of addiction. It's like when the text is describing him that God is hardening his heart, it doesn't mean that God is making sure that Paro really wanted to give in, but God hardened it. It means he got to a point in his, in his obsession with keeping the Jews that it was so irrational it, it was so irrational his holding of the Jews that it could only be attributed to God. It's like it's like saying that man has the power of God. Like no, you're just saying that he's very very strong. So same thing with Paroz. He was so intent on keeping the Jews. He was so obsessed with them that when it describes later in the five later makot that God hardened his heart, it doesn't mean that God didn't give him free will. It means that from the observer, people were looking at him and saying. It's as if God is controlling this man. Why can't he let the Jews go? He's crazy. The man, the man has lost his mind. You know, so it's a form of it's actually it's actually it's a form of addiction. It's a form of obsession, and and that, I, I think that's peshat. I think the, the peshat of God hardened his heart is to show that his obsession was otherworldly. It was an incredible obsession. I think that's Pishat. That, by, by the way, and that's the simplest way to do away with all the philosophical yeah. problems. Because everybody goes to town on trying to figure out how it could be that someone doesn't have free will. And I'm, I'm saying, no, it's just a linguistic tool to show that he had become obsessed. Okay. 
הפוסק פור, ולא ישמע לכם פרעה ונתתי את ידי במצרים, והוצאתי את צבאותיי את עמי, בני ישראל בארץ ישראל, בשבטים גדולים, and he will not listen to you, פרעה will not listen to you, and I will put my hand over מצרים, and I will take out my legions, my, my nation, עם ישראל, with great wonders uh, from Egypt. וידעו מצרים כי אני אדוני, and Egypt will know that I am אדוני, כי אני אדוני. בנתותי את ידי על מצרים והוצאתי את בני ישראל מתוכם. When I stretch out my hand over Egypt and I take the Jews from, out with, from, from within them. ויעש משה ואהרון כאשר ציווה אדוני אותם כן עשו. And משה and Aaron did as God commanded them so they did. ומשה בן שמונים שנה ואהרון בן שלוש ושמונים שנה בדברים דברו. משה was 80 and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to פרעה. ברוך אדוני לעולם. אמן ואמן.